Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. I want to talk to you about the notes a little bit. I sent you all, those of you who get the notes for this class, I sent them out, but I'm going to resend them to anyone who wants them, uh, who wants to know about the long marks. The reason um, I say that is I had a little interesting situation. Um, Last week, if you remember when you got my notes, there were no long marks in them. Uh, And the reason for that is that for the last... uh, Most of the time I've been teaching this class, since last December, I've pretty much gone full-time to using a Mac. And on the Mac, to type accents or long marks or anything like that, it's very easy. All you do is hold down the letter that you want to accent, and you get this bloop sound, and then you type a number. And you can tell what number to type. If you look at the screen, it'll tell you what number to type for what accent. Uh, I just wrote them down so I would know. And that's all you do. And it's very easy to type accents in. It's much easier than on Windows. So I've been using the Mac. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I updated to Mac Ventura, the newer, the newest version of Mac. And I got ready to do your notes last week. And guess what? I could no longer type accents. I could no longer type long marks. It wouldn't work. And it bugged the heck out of me because that's one of the things I've loved about using the Mac is the ease with which I can type these, these long marks. So um, I contacted Apple uh, Accessibility. They couldn't help me. I contacted App Mac for the Blind, and the, the guy on Mac for the Blind is outstanding. I mean, he is really with it. He, there's not much he doesn't know about the Mac, but he couldn't figure this out. So nobody could figure out why I couldn't, hello, Carla. Nobody could figure out why I couldn't type my accents. Nobody could figure it out. Well, one day I was saying my prayer and I said, God, you're the original Apple man. You invented Apple computers. You knew about Apple computers long before they were even heard of. I said, can you help me find out why I can't type my accents? Nobody seems to know. And I said, I'm sure it's something very small. And, uh, you know, I'll thank you if you help me to do it. And if you don't, I'll find another way. Maybe you'll show me another way. So anyway, God works in very mysterious ways. Yesterday, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I had told him about this problem. And this friend of mine has only been using a Mac for a year. He bought his new Mac, same time I bought my new Mac, a year ago. And he said, you know, I think I know what might be wrong. He said, go to keyboard, repeat, go to keyboard and go to keyboard, repeat. He said, what's your set on? I said, one. He said, mine set on four. So I changed it because his was working. He said, go to um, frequency of repetition. What's your set on? I said, one. He said, mine's on six. I changed to his settings. I can type accents again. So it worked. So uh, the reason I'm telling you that long story is to tell you that I redid the notes today with the long marks. Now, if you're just listening to these notes, you won't care about the long marks. They won't matter to you. But if you're reading it on a Braille display, you might. So what I'll tell you is if you want 
the new version of today's notes with the long marks in, let me know and I will send them to you again. If you don't, if you don't uh, need it, I won't send it. It's no use doing it. So that's the way we'll do it. And from now on, they should have long marks. So it's a good story. Anyway, it just shows you some of the frustrations we blind people go through trying to uh, trying to keep updated and trying to get our work done. And I think we've all been there one time or another. But now I'm very happy because I can I can type my long marks again. Okay, let's look at this thing we always have at the beginning of our lessons lately, words from classical mythology and history. We always have that section until, until we run out of it. Um, today we have the word laconic. Laconic. That is an adjective, and it means using words sparingly, terse, or concise. And it comes from the Greek word laconikos, which means Spartan. And so this quality is a quality that the Spartans had. Now, I don't know if you remember your, your history or not, but the Spartans were very warlike Greeks, and they really didn't care much for civilization or civilized activity, or the main thing they cared about was war and being the most warlike of the Greek city-states. And they didn't like a lot of frills and chills. There's a story once where somebody asks a kid, there is a man in a nearby city who can imitate the nightingale. Would you like to hear him? This is a question a teacher asks a boy in school. The boy said, yes, I would. Teacher said, bad answer. You fly too much after vanity. Come up. Said, your punishment is I'm going to bite your thumb. I won't do that to you all. Don't worry. So he says, uh, go ahead and wipe off the blood and return to your seat. Now, what is the proper answer if you are asked if you want to hear someone who can imitate a nightingale? And this other kid said, sir, the answer is I've heard the nightingale itself. And that's kind of a silent, brief answer. Uh, and that's the way they were. They, they, they didn't waste a lot of words. They came right out and said what they meant, and they said it very briefly. And that's a laconic quality um, that the Spartans had. Remember that story we read way back somewhere where someone says to the Spartans when they're fighting against uh, the uh, Persians, the, guy, the Persian soldier says, there's going to be so many of us out here, you're not even going to be able to see the sun. And the Spartan guy says, well, I guess we'll fight in the shade then. And that's all. And that, that's, that's, what, uh, that's what this quality is, is laconicness, saying as least possible. Uh, you know, Spartan mothers, for example, would say to their children when they got ready to go off to war, they'd say, okay, boys, either come home with your shields or on them meaning either come home carrying them or laying on them dead. And it's just a very brief way of saying that. Typical use. All I received in response to my request was the laconic reply, wait. So when you say something in one or two words that could be said in a lot of words, that's laconic. Le lethargic lethargic. You probably know this word. I think most people know this word. It means kind of slow, sluggish, drowsy, dull. But you might not know what it comes from. It comes from the Greek word lethe, which is one of the rivers down in the underworld. And this river 
down in the underworld is where souls that are getting ready to be born back up on earth again drink from this river and when they do they forget their past experiences and already excuse ready to me be can you hear me boss yeah uh Car carla hayes has her hand up oh hey carla go ahead Carla, can you unmute? Please. Can you hear me? Now, now we can. Yes. Olga, mute, currently muted. Okay, now can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I was going to ask you a question, and the question yeah. was from the last one, the laconic one. Um, yeah. I have also heard the word, just the word Spartan used in that way, you know, it can be, bearing especially by the Greeks and the Romans, and the the, all, the, Greek, the all the Greeks had to say was Spartan and, you, the, and that meant laconic. And, and the word really, the, the word laconic really comes from the Greek word meaning Spartans. Sometimes they're called the Lacedaemonians. If you call there, them, uh, I was reading um, a uh, just recently, just last week, and so it's funny this came up about a Spartan, uh, a Spartan spread on a table. You know, the 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 reception was small, and there was but a Spartan spread on the table. Yep, and I'm yep. Thinking it the, might be the same idea. It is. They say that the Spartans mainly ate this black soup stuff. Uh, they didn't go in for, you know, you wouldn't go to Sparta if you wanted to eat well. You'd go to Sparta if you wanted to really, you know, lose weight and just eat the basics, you could say. Yeah, and they do use that word Spartan. Very A very Spartan existence would mean a very, you know, no frills, no 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 chills, whatever. And again, I'm sorry I'm late, but... Oh, no, no. Thank you. Well, anyway... Um, this word, this river of forgetfulness is called Lethe, and it, am it amuses me a little bit because back in the old days, back in the turn of the century, uh, the 20th century, they actually used to name girls Lethe. I don't know if that meant she was forgetful, or I don't know if they thought that if you were in her arms, you would forget all your cares. I don't know why you would name a girl Lethe, but it was a name that uh, some people had. Uh, so. Uh, Anyway, the uh, the typical use of this uh, for several hours after uh, the operation, the patient was lethargic because of the anesthetic. So you you all know that word, I believe. Lacolin, lacolin. There's a good word. There was a guy who lived in Ciceronian times, when Cicero was alive in Rome, whose name was Lucullus. He was a very rich guy, and he gave very sumptuous, delicious banquets. And so if you talk about something being Lucullan, it means luxurious or sumptuous. Uh, and so uh, you could say, for example... At Christmas time, my wife certainly made me a Lucullan Christmas dinner or a Lucullan feast. Uh, so that's good. Marshall. Marshall means pertaining to pertaining to war or warlike. Comes from the god Mars, who is the Roman god of war. And so a typical use would be the Helvetians were a Martian people, or martial people, not Martian, martial people who tried to conquer 
who tried to conquer Southern Gaul. So martial means warlike. Alarms off. Alarm. Any questions on those those four this time? Um, and you know, as you're as you're going places, if you can sprinkle one or two of these in your conversation, they're going to say, "That's a smart guy there." That's a smart. Musi Alrich's hand is up. Yes, Musi. Uh, this Marshall, you know, they're making fun of some of these uh, people who are misspelling it when they say this is not martial law. And they're, um, it's the same word, right? For martial yes, it is. Yes, it is. Law, and they're misspelling it. Like, how, in, how, how are they spelling it? M A R S H A L L? So, like Marshall, like Marshall, you know, M A R S H A L L, Marshall. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's supposed that, yeah. And this is the word, yes, because what it really means law of of arms you know you're 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 using the state's power the state's army and navy to control the citizens you're not using it, the normal yeah. laws to can to do it yeah and it usually means a curfew and no gatherings and right right yeah it's so it's when the state uses its powers to to meet an emergency situation or something like that okay thank you very, yeah very good good example Good example. Yeah. Okay. And you could say uh, th that song certainly has a martial spirit about it, meaning a, it sounds like a warlike song or a patriotic uh -huh. type song. Uh -huh. you know, that's another way you might see it used. All right. Very good. Now, last week we talked about the passive voice and we talked about what is, what is the passive voice? First of all, what do we mean when we talk about the passive voice? There's a reversal of the subject and the object for one thing, like, and it's, you know, the active is like, um, if you are, you are verbing, that's active, like I am right. um, loving the, um, you know, the winter, long winter nights, but right. the passive is if you are verbed or the, uh, what was the subject is verb, like the winter nights are loved by me. Right. Exactly. Okay. And so it's when the subject is not acting, is not doing the action, but the action is being done to the subject. The subject is being verbed. The subject is not verbing. That's really what the passive voice is. And we said last week that Aldous Huxley, I believe it was, it might have been uh, Orwell, but I really think it was Huxley. I can't find that out because I don't know where to find that article, but he wrote a big article one time back in the 40s about it was bad writing to write in the passive voice. So as you write things, be careful not to use it. I love to use it because I don't like to take responsibility for anything. So I like to say the meeting was called to order, you know, instead of the president called the meeting to order, uh, that sort of thing. Oh, I did want to talk about one thing from playtime before we forget. I should have played last week because I would have known the answer to one of the questions that nobody knew. Tom, and I think, Tom, it might have been on when you, I don't know if it was your team or team one. It was, I think it was early in the, um, in the playtime. And that was, in fact, Holly said she would have known it when she played. And that was the thing about what, I think the way they worded it was, I think this is the way they worded it. What does the Greek word Selene mean? S-E-L-E-N-E, -E, I think it was. And nobody knew it, but I knew it. And it, it is. It, anybody remember what it was? Anybody remember the meaning? Moon. The moon is what it meant. 
That was the answer. The answer was the moon. Selene was the god. Are you saying moon or moon? M-O-O-N. Moon. Moon. Thank you. Yeah. So anyway, that might come up again. And if it does, you'll be ready. Okay. But back to the passive voice. Uh, Yes, that's exactly right. And we had a whole new set of endings. And I told you a story about how disgusted I was when we got to the passive voice. So we're going to take it a little easy. (laughs) And just kind of try to get used to this passive voice and the way it works. So how would you change these words from active to passive? And by the way, I forgot to send you the answers, but I couldn't type the long marks anyway. So I forgot to send you the answers to last week's uh, letter, one of those exercises, letter A. And I'll do that this week and and I'll type, if we need to, I'll type some of them for this week. But what would the passive of Porto be? How would you change Porto to the passive? Portar. Port, P-O-R-T what? O-R. O-R. Portor. Okay, so Porto would mean I carry. What would Portor mean? I am carried. I am carried. Or I am being carried. Yeah. All right, how would you change Moneo to the passive? Oh, we're not, we weren't to conjugate these. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes, you were. How would you conjugate Porto? Porto. That's what I did. I'm sorry. You did it right. I was, uh, I was being Portaris. Portaris. Portatur. 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 Portamur. Portamini. Portantur. Right. Portor. Portaris. Portatur. Portamur. Portamini. Portantur. Sounds absurd, doesn't it? That's what it is. <laughs> All right. Moneo. How do we change that to the passive? Moneor. Mm-hmm. Moneor. Moneris. 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 Moneritur. Moneitur. Moneitur. Mornemini. Monamini. Yeah, Monamini. Now, how do we know that it's not Monamini? Because you might think it is. It's because if it were Monamini, there would be a long, uh, that I would be long. And since it isn't, it means you don't accent it. Monamini. You accent the long E there. Monamini. Monamini. See, I've never been clear on them. No, that's the way it works. If, If a word Basically, the rule is accent the next to the last syllable of a word if it's long. If it's not, then go back to the third to the last and accent it. And never accent the last syllable except for the word adhuk, meaning uh, still. Yeah, if you could say Uh, that rule again, that would help because I'm really confused. Do what now, Carly? You want me to say that again? Yes. Never accent the last syllable of a Latin word. Accent the next to the last syllable, which is called the penalt, meaning almost last, if if that syllable is long. If it's not long, then accent the third from the last, which is called the antipenalt. <laughs> and you, the accent won't go further back than that. We'll we'll uh, we'll work we'll we'll work on that a little bit just to to give you some practice. That would it, be but. good to you know to have the rules and examples because yeah. I'm really confused on. Well, actually, you well yeah it it probably would. So let me see what we can do for that. 
Uh, all right, Pono. Who can do? Let's do one more. Pono. When I'm monopolizing. Ponor. Ponor. I, I Ponoris. Really do this. Yeah, pon ponor. Ponor. Ponoris. Ponoris. Yeah. I, Ponitor. Ponimor. Ponimini. Ponuntor. Now, I'm not going to do Enwenio uh, because I think that's the one I gave you. I shouldn't have really given you this one. That's your model verb, I think. But Akipio would be the same thing. Akipior, Akiparis, Akiparis, Akipitor, Akipimor, Akipimini, Akipuntu, Akipiuntur. Akipior, Akiparis, Akipitor, Akipimor, Akipimini, Akipiuntur. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, maybe I'll send those, that one to you, just so you can see the spelling of it. Okay, now we're changing from active to passive. So how would we change docamus to the passive? Um, okay, more. Okay, more. So take the MUS off and add MUR. Remember, the passive endings are or, ris, tour, more, mini, ntor. R, R, I, S, T, U, R, M, U, R, M, I, N, I, N, T, U, R. Those are your passive endings. Uh, okay. And what would docamor mean? Docamus would mean we are teaching or we teach. What would docamor mean? We are taught. We are taught. Okay. Now, what about in wanitus? In wenitus, I should say. In wenitus. Okay. Now that's the um, plural you. Yep. But um, in 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 wentimini. Oh, gee, how do you pronounce this thing? In wentimini. In wenimini. Or wenny wenimini. In wenimini. Yeah. yeah that's, right. Now that is a mouthful, is it not? Yes. Now, inwenitus means you find. So, what would inwenimini mean? I, I are, wanna... You are found. You're found. Yeah, I don't want to monopolize this thing. So. No, that's all right. Uh, it's not your fault. Everybody else is just resting, I think. But uh, mittunt. How would you do mittunt? Somebody besides Carla. Mittunt. How do mit we change? Into. Yes, Moosey. Mituntur. And what would mituntur mean? We are being sent. They. they but yes, you're right. They are being sent. Oh, they. They I'm are sorry. being sent. They. All right. What about with days? With days. With. With. With days, with days, with I don't know. Yes, with right? With And what would that mean? That could have two possible meanings. You are seen. You are seen. You seem. Or you seem. Yes. You are seen, or you seem. And I guess you would do that with context, right? You would do that with context. Yes, you would. Okay, ago would change to a g a r. A G now A G A R would be future tense. A G O R. Agor meaning I am driven, driven or I am whatever you want to say. Ago mean Ago can have six million meanings. So, all right, Monet. Monitor. Monitor. Good. And what does that mean? Um. Actually, that's I don't think they'd ever use this word in the passive voice. I don't I got this from a textbook, 
but I don't think you'd ever use this in the in, a, in the past. It means it is remained. remained. It is left. It is. I mean, I don't I don't know why that one's given. I didn't make that up. That was in the, in the book, I think. All right, now we have some sentences to translate. And some of these are funny kind of sentences. Some of them aren't. Boni now tie adteram noam mituntur. Boni now tie adteram noam mituntur. The good sailors are sent to the new city. Yep, to the new land. We could say new oh, to a oh, new land. land. <laughs> to a new land. All right, number two. Milites ab hostibus capiuntur. What's milites? Soldier. Yep, soldiers, soldiers are captured are by the enemy. Enemy. Soldiers are captured by the enemy. Yeah. Okay. Amaltis amamini et laudamini. That sounds so funny. Amaltis. By many, um, you are loved and praised. You are loved and praised by many. What kind of ablative do we call that? Amaltis. Person. Yep, personal agent, ablative personal of agent. personal agent. agent, right. Now, here's a sentence from Catullus. Ile mihi par esse deo videtur. Ile means that man. That man that what? And um, is seen. Okay, you could. Videtur. You could say that. Or seems. Either one would probably uh, work. That man seems, is seen. Is um, me. To me. To me. To me. Uh, to be God. To be equal to a God. Equal to God. Equal to, to be equal to a God or to God. Remember he said that about the guy sitting across from this girl. That man seems to me to be equal to a God who's sitting across from you and watches you and sees you <laughs> laughing and all that stuff. Okay. Now this is a cute sentence. And I can tell you the truth. This sentence is true. Amor tusisque non calantur. What does that mean? A lover a cold cannot be caught. Yeah, well, almost. Love and a cough are not concealed. Love and a cough are not hidden. And that means, you know, if you're in love, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? And if you have a cough, try not coughing. We had a history teacher in school, and she would not let you cough in her class. If you coughed, she'd yell at you. So I remember sitting there one time, and I had a cough, and I was going, <laughs> I was trying to keep from coughing. And I think I worked harder not coughing, and therefore, I don't think I was learning history too well because I was trying so hard not to cough. So anyway, uh, but uh that's, Repeat uh, that's, that one again, because that one really confused me. Love and a cough are not hidden. Love and a cough are not hidden. I don't quite understand that, I guess. You mean how it goes or what it means? <laughs> what it, it mean, I mean, I understand the words and how we got the meaning, but what is the intent of this? I guess? In other words, if you're in love, can you hide it? Sooner or later, somebody will see you and say, that girl's in love or that boy's in love. They love that person. And a cough, if you have a cough, you can't, you really can't keep from coughing. You can't hide it. So the idea is 
If you're in love, it's as obvious as if you have a cough. And if you have a cough, it's as obvious as if you're in love. You can't conceal those two things, is all it's trying to say. Love and a cough are not hidden. Okay. All right. Now we have another famous one. I think this one's by Ovid. Fas est et abhoste docere. Et here in this sentence probably means even. This is a hard sentence. I don't know if any of you could figure this one out. It's a little tricky. Fas est means what? Did I tell you? No, I should have. Fas est means it is right. It is right even to be taught by your enemy. You know, the Bible says, love your enemies, but the Romans would say, or the Greeks would say, if you can learn something from your enemy, great, you know, good. So it is right even to be taught by your enemy. All right, here's another famous sentence. Periculum numquam sine periculo vincitor. Do you know the word periculum and do you know the word vincitor or winko? Danger. Danger. Yeah. Danger cannot be won without danger. Yes. Danger is never conquered without danger. What does that mean? (laughs) If you put yourself in danger when you conquer whatever the danger is. (laughs) Right. You watch television. Some detective is locked in a locked room and to get out, he's got to do such and such a thing. And to do that such and such a thing, he might risk exposure or getting called again or getting thrown back in. Any mystery story, half the fun of the mystery is watching the person get out of the bad situation they're in and to keep from getting in something worse. You know, Uh, anyway, yeah. So danger is never conquered without danger. Parvi equi a magnis pueris ducuntur. All horses are led by large, by great boys or big boys. <laughs> yep. yep. Small horses are led by large boys. Good. By big boys. <laughs> Cum puellis pulcris a multi saipe videris. Now, here you go, Carla. This is a chance to show your contextual skills. You would ask about this. With girls, um, many, I'm trying to remember. Oh, my brain is. <laughs> well, that's good. That's the thing good about Latin. It, it messes your brain up. I mean, it makes you really. So with- you are often seen by many people. With beautiful girls. Beautiful girls, yes. You are often seen by many people with beautiful girls. Mm. Okay. Signis werbisque saipe monamor. We are often moved by... Well, we are often warned, moneo. We are often warned by signs and words. Meaning, you know, people, well, not so much us blind people, but, you know, sighted people can watch someone make a sign to them or a nod to them and also say something to them as a word. Multi-weary amore pecuniae aguntur. There's a good one. There's a good one. There's a good one. Many men 
are something are led are driven are led by love of money by the love of money good many men are driven by the love of money good okay you guys are getting this you guys are getting this let's try one of these sentences changing from active to passive these are a little hard remember the formula you take your sub take your direct object make it your subject take your subject make it a by phrase Take your verb and make it passive. So you have your subject. We're uh, serum copy. That means what? The man seizes the slave. What are we going to change that to in English before we even try to do it in Latin? The man seizes the slave. The man is seized by the slave. Well, yes. Well, you could do that. but But it's better to say, to change the sentence to keep the same meaning. So oh. the same meaning is the, oh, the, the man seizes slave. the slave. The slave is slave seized by the, by the man. I see. Yeah. So <laughs> we so we're gonna say what? A wero serwas copitor. A wero serwas copitor. Okay, and we're gonna do one more. Wary whereby to a expectant. Boys are waiting for your words. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your words are waited for by the by boys. The so, a pueris whereby to a expectantor. Mm-hmm. That's hard. That's hard. That's hard. That's hard. All right. Now we have something really interesting to talk about. I hope you'll find it interesting anyway. We have a little tiny bit of a story to read from Ovid's Metamorphoses. Ovid is is one of my favorite poets. You can't not like Ovid, hardly. Um, Ovid is writing for one purpose and one purpose only, to entertain you. That's his purpose. And so what he does in the Metamorphoses, he writes, he takes these mythological stories that you all know very well, and he makes them come alive because he makes the people in them seem like real persons would act, okay? And so when he describes something, he he does it in such a lively and vivid way that you almost can picture the thing happening right in front of you. It's almost like watching television. And um, he loves to describe people falling in love or being in love or losing at love. That's one of his favorite subjects, and that's what you have here. And, of course, with this story, let me let me go back and tell you a little bit about this story. This story is about a young man, a young boy named Narcissus. And when this little boy was born, they took him to the prophet Tiresias, who's a blind prophet. And they asked this prophet, well, this boy lived to be an old man. Excuse me just a minute. It's 40 after the hour. Thank you, Holly. Very good. Thank you. Uh, and this, the, the, the prophet said, he will live to be an old man if he never knows himself. Yeah, he'll, you know, that people, when they give these prophecies, they always give them in such a way that you can't quite tell what they're talking about. And that's what happened here. He'll live to be an old man if he never knows himself. So for a long time, people thought that was just crazy. They didn't know what he was talking about. But the way he ends up dying and what happens to him at the end of his life showed that the prophecy was true. But before that happens, let's go back to when he was a young man walking around. His first adventure 
is with a young girl named Echo. Now, you all know what an Echo is, but in this story, Echo is a real live woman. She's, no, she's not an Amazon either. She's not Amazon Echo, but anyway. Uh, well, she might have been an Amazon, but I don't know. Anyway, I doubt it. She's walking around as a normal human being, except that for one thing, she can't start a sentence because Juno had gotten angry with her because when Jupiter will be playing around with other women, Juno, uh, Echo knew about it. And so when Juno came along to catch him, she would get Juno off in conversations and delay her until Jupiter could escape. Well, Juno found this out. And so she said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to punish you. You're, you're not going to be able to talk anymore. The only thing you're going to be able to do is repeat the last word somebody says. And that was her punishment. So she's walking along in the woods and she sees this handsome guy named Narcissus and she falls in love with him. But she can't go up to him and say, hey, babe, how you doing? She can't do it. She has to wait till he says something before she can say anything to him. So he's walking along and he gets lost. And he says, anyone out there? And she says, out there? And it amazes him. He can't figure out where this voice, voice is coming from. Now, I don't know if you guys remember the first time you ever learned about an echo. I do remember. I was at my grandfather's farm and I was outside of his barn. And he said, Try yelling and see what happens. And I yelled and I heard this voice way off. And he said, say hello. And I said, hello. And I heard this, hello. And I thought it was my dad yelling back at me. And he had a heck of a time convincing me that it was an echo of my voice coming back. And it was so, echoes are very surprising. And you can see where these stories, you know, how, how the Greeks made this story up. Anyway, so Narcissus says, Anyone out there? And she said, out there? And he stops and he looks all around because she's kind of walking off in the woods, kind of, you know, he can't see her. And he says, who is that? She says, who is that? And he's just like, what is it? He says, Let, come here, let's meet. Let's get together. And it says she never answered any words any happier than that. She runs out of the woods saying, get together. And she's ready to throw her arms around his neck, but he's very proud and he doesn't love her at all. And he basically says to her, get your hands off me. I would rather die than give you a chance to hold me, which is not very nice. And to that, she says, hold me because she's echoing. And she goes in the woods and she's so upset because she can't have him that she wastes away to nothing. And she finally turns into just a voice. All that's left of her is a voice. And that's the echo that you hear. <laughs> but Narcissus was a very proud, cruel, haughty person. And he treated several other people like this. And so someone prayed, may he fall in love and not get what he is in love with. And so the goddess of vengeance, Nemesis, heard his prayer. And that's where this story picks up. All right. It's, and so he's looking into a water fountain. He's looking into a, to a fountain outside, to a brook, if you want to say. And so it says, Doom seat him, sedare cupid. 
Cetus Ultra Crawit. What's it say? Ovid loves this uh, to play a, to play with this a little bit. So what's it say? Doom Cupid. What's Cupid mean? Cupid. C U P I T. It means to desire. In fact, did I give you that? Trying to find this story. This it's right up below the exercises we did. Right below that. Um. Anyway, uh, I didn't give you. I didn't give you Cupid because I think I thought you knew it. It was one of our review verbs last week. So while he desires to quench his thirst, that is. Notice what it says. Doom quasitum sedare cupid. While he desires to quench his thirst, what happens? Cetus alter a craven. Another thirst increases. Because what happens? He looks in the pool, he sees his image, and he falls in love with himself. So while he desires to quench his thirst, another thirst increases. All right, and what else does it say? Dumque bibit vitae corruptus imagine formae spem sine corpore amat. So while he is drinking dum bibit, what happens? Corruptus imagine formae visae captured, corruptus seized by the image of his seen form. What does he do? Spem sine corpore amat. He what? Amat. Loves. He loves a spem. Spem. Remember space, 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 spem, space. That was one of our fifth declension words. He loves a what? I might have given that word to you. I don't know if I did or not. What's spem? Means hope. He loves a hope. Oh, he loves a Oh, I see. He loves he lo a hope. He loves body. a hope. Uh, I've lost my place. So I meant, uh, oh, here we go. He, he, here we go. He loves a hope without a body. In other mm -hmm. words, because what? He's in love with his own image and he, his image has no real body. So he's in love with a hope with no body. And what else? Corpus spem sine corpore amat. It says um, he loves. Oh, I've lost right. my place. Hold up a minute. My machine just quit. Uh, that is the stupidest thing. <laughs> my machine just quit. And now it's saying starting hymns. Uh, uh, anyway, what's it say after sine corpore? Is, um, I'm trying to think. Okay. Sine corpore amat corpus putat esse ruod unda est, right? Unda est. He thinks that that which, he thinks that is a body, which is the water. In other words, he doesn't know. He's not as smart as you guys are. He doesn't realize that he's, re that he's seeing his reflexive, that he's seeing his reflection in the, in the, uh, he doesn't realize that he's seeing um, his reflection in the image. He doesn't know that can happen. So he thinks he's seeing another person, 
but he's really only seeing his reflection in the water. They weren't as sophisticated back in, back in those days. Uh, wait a minute. I'm getting back here. There we go. Uh, lesson. I'm sorry. I got to get my Got to get back to there we go. This machine. Oh, darn it. I opened the wrong file. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, okay. It's here. It's here. It's here. We can do it. We can do it from here. Um, here we go. Here we go. So he thinks, so he thinks that that is it is a body that which is water. And notice what he does. Odd stupid ipse sibi. He himself is amazed at himself. <laughs> stupid. Notice odd stupid. He himself is amazed at himself. At Waltu Emotus Aodem and um, uh, immovable because of the same face, you could say, he, he stays in one place. All right, now we're skipping a little bit. Say Cupid imprudens, imprudens. He what? Say Cupid. He unwisely loves. Yeah. Des he, he unwisely desires himself. Self. Et qui probat ipse probator. Here's where. Here's why I gave you this story. The passive and the actives are very interesting here. And he who approves himself is approved of. Get it? <laughs> he he's in other words he approves of this image that he's seeing, but he's also approved of because he's in love with himself. So Ovid loves to play with you like this. And <laughs> I love this, this, this line here. Listen to the sound of this line. Doom petit, doom petit petiter, pariterque akendit et ardet. Doom petit petitor, pariterque akendit et ardet. And while he seeks, he is salt. In other words, while he's trying to get the person he's in love with, he's also being salt by his image, you know. And so while he seeks, he is salt. And equally, he sets on fire and is burned. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of cute, isn't it? And we may read a little more of this story as we go along. It's uh it's it's kind of kind of interesting the way Ovid, you you can't read this and not get drawn into it can you kind of i mean the way he describes it it's so it's just so interesting i, I don't know if you think that or not but I, i've always found that to be true uh, and he loves to play with the word with this idea of um he loves to play with with uh with this idea of the fact that that he uh, is is seeking but is also sought the fact that he loves but is loved. In fact, later on, he's going to say, I wish that we could separate. And they said, that's a new vow for lovers. Most lovers want to be one. But this, this guy wants to separate so that he can have the object of his beloved because the object that he loves, he realizes later on in the story, is himself. And so you know, Ovid loves to play with this whole story. And, uh, and so any comments, any questions on this? It's it's cute. It's a cute. Yeah, you know, even there is a reference in the modern vocabulary. If somebody's a narcissist, they're right. self-centered, and they're, you know, they. 
So that, right. you know, so a narcissist is somebody who's in love with themselves, who only loves themselves. Right. Yeah. And that's where, and that's where this, uh, and that's where this comes from really. Yeah. And that's, and that's where this comes from. And of course, if you know the story, do you know what happens to narcissists? You know, what's going to happen to him. Does he become a flower? Narcissus? Yes. He, 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 he cannot move from this brook. Once he falls in love with himself, he cannot fall. He cannot go anywhere else because you know, he's, he's in love with himself and he cannot stand to leave himself. And so he doesn't go eat. He just stands there by the brook and looks at himself and talks to the image and tries to hold the image and tries to, you know, talk to it and all that stuff. And finally, uh, he wastes away to nothing yeah. and he turns into a flower. And by the way, Echo is out there and all the times he's talking and beating his breast and splashing the water and all that, she's echoing all those sounds. That oh, it's got to be torture. Yeah, it would be pretty, pretty, uh, pretty, 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 pretty sad. Yeah. But isn't, but you know, I, I don't know. Everybody says Latin is boring. They don't know what they're talking about. You can't read this story and be bored. I don't think. I don't think you can. It's it's just it, it grabs you. And of course, the thing in this book is all these characters in these stories turn into something like like Narcissus will turn into a flower, like Echo turns into a voice. So a lot of the characters in these stories change form from one form to another, which is why it's called the metamorphoses. Mm. Fascinating. And by the way, in Bookshare, there is a translation of the metamorphoses. So by Rolf Humphrey. So if you ever want to read it, get it out and read it. You'll you'll love it. I think you will anyway. <laughs> uh, okay. For this week in your uh, notes, we have the imperfect tense of the passive. And basically it works the same way. You know, the imperfect active is bomb, boss, bot. I review that with you in here in these notes. Bomb, boss, bot, bombus, bot, this bomb. That's the imperfect active. Well, the imperfect passive, which is bar, baris, bator, bomor, bomini, bontor, added. Instead of using bombas, bot, use bar, baris, bator. And it works exactly the same way, and it's formed exactly the same way. So you can study those notes over. You can study those endings. And uh, then we have some exercises. Not a very long, not a very long exercise. Not a very long exercise. Uh, you know, lesson, really not a very long lesson because I wanted you to have time to kind of absorb this passive voice. And uh, I also want uh, next week a little bit to review our Roman history. We kind of got off of that. Uh, we kind of got off of that, but I want to get back into that a little bit. And just to review with you, remember when we left talking about Roman history, we were talking about the fact that Rome was ruled by seven kings. Remember that? And it's a very mythical, we don't really know if Rome really was ruled by seven kings, but they say that it was. And we talked about all these kings. And do you remember what brought the kings down? Do you remember what caused the end of the monarchy? Do you remember? We haven't talked about it for a while. Someone disappeared in a cloud. Well, now that was Romulus. Yes, he did disappear <laughs> into a cloud, but he was the first king and the, the kingdom continued after that. But remember that the son of the last king of Rome raped this woman and everybody was so angry at him that he did a thing like that, that Brutus, who had pretended to be retarded, 
so that he wouldn't get killed by the king's people. Uh, he raises an army and leads an army against the kings and throws them out. And that's when the republic is established. Remember, we talked about the republic a few weeks ago about how the government worked. Remember, we talked about the consuls and the edals and the, we talked about all that stuff. But what I want to talk about next week is the problems that this new republic had. It had some problems at the beginning with people trying to take it over, trying to bring the kings back, the kings trying to get back, the kings hiring armies to help them get back in power, and what happened, some adventures that happened because of that. And so that's what we'll talk about next week, uh, along with the passive voice, of course. Uh, we may also touch a little bit next week on, I may let the passive voice rest a bit, and I may teach you some pronouns next week. You know, we hear a lot about pronouns nowadays, don't we? We hear quite a lot. Do you know what a pronoun is? Well, we're going to find out next week what a pronoun is. That's what we're going to find out. Any questions on this? Anything? Anybody want to make a comment? It's almost time to go. I was just struggling with pronouns and French with my French students today. Or and then you have the agreement of the past participles with the French pronouns. Oh yes. Oh, and then put them in the right place. Put them in the right place. Oh, they can't even get past the present tense ones. I can't understand why vous can be singular and plural and formal and uh, you know. Oh they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Sure that's I'm sure that can be uh that's all right, Carla. One time I taught Alley plus infinitive. I taught it. We had a test on it. I went over the test on it, showed them where they got the answers wrong, and we got all done going over the test, handed the papers back, and got ready to do something else. And this girl said, Mr. Legates. And I said, Yes, yeah. what's an infinitive? <laughs> oh. I was like, Well, <laughs> I'll tell you, but <laughs> I certainly will tell you, but we just went over this test. Hey, sweet, hey, sweet boy, it's 58 after the hour. Yes, ma'am, and I am leaving. Thank you for being a good host, Holly, and I'll see you guys all next week. Well, this Please do your class. exercises. I love and this if, class. I hope I get to do it again. If you want your notes, let me know. All right. See you. Thank you, Holly.